0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 181 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today, we're going to start with the news that Chris Drury is interviewing for the Florida Panthers vacant general manager position. He, of course, right now serves as the assistant general manager with the New York Rangers. He is also the general manager of the Hartford Wolfpack. It would obviously be a loss to see Chris Drury go to another team. But at the same time, I think it's also indicative that the Ranger rebuild is going in the right direction. And we're going to get to all that in just a second. Later in the episode, we're also going to begin... A countdown of the top 10 best Ranger victories of this past season. Today we're gonna do 10 through 6, and then probably in the next episode, we'll jump right into 5 through 1. I know that the Rangers season kind of ended on a little bit of a down note, to say the least, getting swept by the Carolina Hurricanes, although to be fair, we did get a heck of a consolation prize, winning phase two of the NHL's draft lottery, and in all likelihood going to use it to select Alexi Lafreniere, but obviously that series against the Hurricanes was really tough. It was tough to see the Rangers go out in a sweep against a team that I think a lot of us thought that they would beat. I mean, I don't think anyone really necessarily thought that the Rangers would sweep the Hurricanes, but... By that same token, nobody thought that the Rangers would be getting swept by the Hurricanes. So it was a tough way to go out. And we're going to kind of raise everybody's spirits a little bit by looking back at the top 10 victories of this season. There's some great ones to choose from. I've even got a couple of honorable mentions because it was tough to contain the list to just 10 victories. But like I said, we're going to start right here with Chris Drury. Uh, Again, he is interviewing with the Florida Panthers for their vacant general manager position. And I know most of us hear that, and the immediate reaction is probably that you know we don't want to lose anyone who's been associated with this Ranger rebuild. And I don't want to speak for everybody because maybe there are some people listening to this. Maybe there's some people out there who don't like some of the things that the Rangers have done in this rebuild. I certainly am not one of those people. I think the Rangers are definitely moving in the right direction. Uh, they are not batting a 1,000. The trade that involves sending uh, McDonough and JT Miller to the Tampa Bay Lightning, that comes to mind maybe as a little bit of a misstep. But overall, I think the Rangers have had far more hits than misses as far as trades, as far as draft picks, as far as you know pretty much everything that they've done to try to get this franchise pointed in the right direction. Uh, obviously bringing in Artemi Panarin via free agency. Yeah, that comes to mind just a little bit. I also like the re-signing of Chris Kreider. You get the idea. I think the Rangers overall have made more good moves than bad moves over the last couple of seasons here as they attempt to complete the rebuild. But as for Drury, he has been the assistant general manager of the Rangers since September of 2016. He signed an extension as the assistant general manager with the Rangers in March of 2019. And again, I do think it would be unfortunate if Drury was to accept the role to become the Panthers general manager. But here's the silver lining. The fact that the Rangers assistant general manager, I don't care who it is. It just happens to be jury, The fact that the assistant general manager of the Rangers is getting an interview to become a general manager elsewhere in the league suggests that people believe that the Rangers process is working, that they are doing this the right way. They are being patient with the rebuild and they are laying a, Great foundation to eventually have a Stanley Cup contending team. Now, you might hear that and say, well, you know, it's just one team, it's just the Panthers. And yeah, there is some truth to that. So far, to my knowledge, Drury has only interviewed with the Panthers, but the Panthers have a vacancy at general manager, and one of the first places they look is to the Rangers. That's definitely a positive thing. And even if Drury doesn't end up getting this job with the general manager, I mean, first of all, in a way, that would kind of be a nice thing for the Rangers because then obviously Drury stays in the fold here in New York. But even if he doesn't get the GM spot with the Panthers, a lot of times when you see an assistant coach or an assistant general manager start to get interviews around the league, it could be the NHL, it could be the NFL, it could be really any professional sports league, once that starts to happen, I feel like it's typically only a matter of time before they eventually uh, take that next step and become a general manager or become a head coach, whether that's hockey or football or baseball or basketball, take any of the major sports, like I said, a lot of times once that ball gets rolling, it tends to kind of continue until that individual uh, indeed does land a general manager job. And I don't know if Drury's going to get this job. The Panthers have been interviewing a couple of other candidates. We'll see where they go. But certainly I would never begrudge Drury if he were to take this job because, you know, we've talked in the past about how Most assistant coaches in the NHL, or again, really any professional sports league, they would like to eventually become head coaches. That's typically the ultimate goal. Um, And we saw that not too long ago with with Lindy Ruff. Now, with him, it was a little bit different because he had been a head coach for many, many years, was the Rangers assistant coach for just three years. But it's kind of the same thing here. Uh, Drury has kind of seen his stock rise as the Rangers have continued to improve over these last few years. The Ranger rebuild appears to be working, and so this is what happens. You know, you start to turn some heads around the league and you get a chance to move up the ranks, so to speak. And I can't speak for Chris Drury, but he's an assistant general manager right now. And to me, it would just stand to reason that he would eventually like to become a general manager. And he's got a chance to do exactly that with the Panthers, uh, pending how these interviews go. Obviously, he's one of just a couple of candidates, but He could be on his way to the Panthers. And you know what? I'd rather... If Jury's going to leave, I would rather see him go to the Florida Panthers to become their GM than to go to a team like the Devils or any of the other Ranger division rivals and become their GM and basically be working directly against the Rangers. So if he goes to the Panthers, you know, kudos. He's obviously played a role in this Ranger rebuild. I mean, Jeff Gorton's kind of the one steering the ship. John Davidson's in the room as well, but you got to believe Chris Jury, as the assistant general manager, uh, he's probably made his voice heard throughout this process, throughout some of these decisions that the Rangers have made. So, you know, Jury, hey, he's got a hand in this as well. If you like the direction that the Rangers are heading, then uh, give some props to Chris Jury as well. You know, we talk about Jeff Gorton, we talk about John Davidson, and rightfully so, but hey, Jury's in that room too. He's involved in the free agency process in some of the trades that the Rangers have made, and certainly in the drafts. So yeah, it would be a loss to see Drury move on, but again, you can't begrudge him because a lot of these assistant general managers, the ultimate goal is eventually to become a general manager. And obviously, credit to Drury if he can accomplish that. And if he doesn't get the job, then I think most Ranger fans will probably welcome him back with open arms and he can continue to serve in the assistant general manager role with the Rangers for at least one more year. Like I said, a lot of times once these individuals start to get these interviews, you know, whether they're an assistant coach or whether they're an assistant general manager, once they start to get interviews for the next step up as a general manager or as a head coach, eventually it seems to happen. It's usually only a matter of time until the dam sort of breaks and that individual kind of ascends to the uh, the next level in their respective sport. And that could also certainly be the case with Chris Drury. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Winder are often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store All right, let's go ahead and jump into this countdown here. Once again, the top 10 Ranger wins of 2020. We're going to be taking a look at number 10 through number six today, and we will get to number five through number one in a future episode, likely tomorrow, unless there's some crazy breaking news between now and then. But I thought I should also mention there is no strict criteria for this. It could be a complete team victory. It could be a comeback. It could be... You know, an outstanding individual performance. It could involve some overtime heroics, really anything. To me, these are the best ten wins of the season. And again, no real strict criteria here. This is just how I rank the top ten. We'll also get into some honorable mentions. We'll we'll talk about those briefly tomorrow at some point during the five through one countdown. But for today, we're gonna start here at number 10, go all the way up to number six, and number ten, we're going all the way back to the start of the season, the very start of the season. Opening night, the Rangers take down the Jets six to four at Madison Square Garden. Now, was this the Rangers' best performance of the season? No. Did the Rangers make some mistakes and have some lapses during this game? They did, but the reason this makes the list, first of all, it was just a really exciting game. I mean, it was back and forth the whole way. Uh, Nobody led by two goals until the Rangers went up six to four late in the contest, and it ends with the Rangers' Coming through with a come from behind victory in the third period to claim the win. They were down four to three at one point. They go on to win six to four with three unanswered goals to close out the win. But the biggest reason why this makes the countdown is this just felt like a whole new era of Ranger hockey. You know, you're watching the player introductions during the pregame, everybody's skating out there onto the ice, and here comes Artemi Panarin and there's Adam Fox, and oh man, there's Jacob Truba, and oh wow, here comes Capo Caco. And Caco, you know, he might have gotten the loudest ovation of any player from the Madison Square Garden crowd. A lot of fans just very, very excited to see what he could do. Obviously, he's the number two overall pick in the draft. He comes in with a lot of fanfare, a lot of hype. But I also, I thought this would be fun as well. Let me just read you guys the opening night roster for the Rangers, just to kind of show how much it can change over the course of just one season. So here we go. At forward, you've got Artemi Panarin, Ryan Strome, Jesper Foss, Chris Kreider, Brett Howden, Capo Kako, Leas Anderson, Brendan Lemieux, Pavel Buchnevich, Vladislav Nemestikov. It's so weird thinking that he was actually on the Rangers at the start of this season. That feels like a lifetime ago. And then Mika Zibanejad and Brendan Smith. And then at defense, you've got Jacob Truba, Mark Stahl, Adam Fox, Liber Hayek, Brady Shea, and Tony D'Angelo. And then of course, Henrik Lundqvist in net and Alex Georgiev backing him up. So a uh, couple of guys that were traded, a couple of guys who didn't really stick with the Rangers. Bottom line, definitely some uh, some changes made over the course of the season. Let's not even get into the Leah Sanderson stuff or we'll be here all day. But yeah, I mean, very interesting to see this, the opening night lineup here. And in case anyone's wondering, Michael Haley and Greg McHague were the two healthy scratches. But yeah, just a very exciting game here. And it was just really cool to see some new Rangers get off to some really good starts with their new team. Panarin scored a goal, had an assist. Jacob Truba had a goal and two assists. And, you know, you never want to see a new guy struggle with his new team, especially when the expectations are so high as they were certainly for Panarin and also Truba to a lesser extent. You don't want to have them waiting around to score that first goal, to pick up that first point. So obviously nice to see them both contributing right away here. And then also Mika Zibanejad kind of setting the tone for what kind of a season he was going to have. He scored a goal, dished out three assists. Zibanejad actually tied the game about five minutes into the third period. That goal tied the game at four, and then Brett Howden scored the game winner with about four minutes, left to play to put the Rangers on top 5-4. Foss took a shot that was blocked, but Brett Howden found the rebound in the crease, pulled it to his backhand, stuffed it home, gave the Rangers the 5-4 lead. They were on top to stay. They went on to add another goal to make it 6-4 and just a great opening night win. It was not perfect. The Rangers made some mistakes. There were a couple instances where the Rangers scored and then seconds later, the Jets would just get it right back. So, you know, indications that the Rangers are a young inexperienced team there you gotta you know come out strong after a team scores a goal whether it's you scoring or them scoring you can't take the next shift off but overall you had to like what you saw if you were the Rangers here again a lot of new players getting off to good starts and just a very exciting win overall And the only other thing I'm going to mention about this game is Henrik Lundqvist started in net for the Rangers, and he had a pretty strong performance. I mean, I know he gave up the four goals, but he also made 43 saves and uh, really some timely stops and some big spots in this game. And it's entirely possible that this was also Henrik Lundqvist's final career opening night start, even if he's back with the Rangers next season, I could see them easily going with Shesterkin on opening night. Although, if Lundqvist is back with the Rangers, it's at least possible, I think, that Quinn would maybe uh, go the sentimental route, especially if the season opening game is at Madison Square Garden, and if there's fans in the arena, those are all big ifs. But, you know, it, it's possible maybe Lunquist has one more opening night start for the Rangers in him, but whether he's with the Rangers or whether he goes somewhere else, uh, this might have been it as far as opening night starts are concerned for Henrik Lundqvist. And again, there's so many unanswered questions regarding Henrik Lundqvist's future, but we're just gonna have to keep an eye on it and uh, we will see what happens. But yeah, great opening night win and a strong performance from Henrik Lundqvist. But let's go ahead and move on to number nine here, which is a 6-2 win against the New York Islanders on January 13th. Artemi Panarin goes off for two goals and three assists in his first game against the New York Islanders as a member of the New York Rangers. And, you know, this entry on the list is just kind of funny to me because Panarin was definitely courted by the Islanders this past offseason. And, of course, he signs with the Rangers and all he does is go off for two goals and three assists. The Rangers thoroughly dominate the Islanders. Uh, The game definitely took on a bit of an old-school Ranger-Islander Type of feel. You know, we had some fisticuffs. Michael Haley fought Ross Johnston. Brendan Smith fought Matt Martin. And the only reason this one isn't a little bit higher on our countdown is just that, you know, it lacks some of the excitement of some of the other games that are going to be on this list because the Rangers didn't exactly have to sweat this one out. They basically just dominated. Uh, they did give up an early goal to Jordan Eberly. Eberle scored just 18 seconds into the game, but the Rangers. Tied the game on a goal by Jesper Foss a little bit later in the first period. And that was just the start of the Rangers ripping off six unanswered goals to take a 6-1 lead. Uh, The next five goals scored by Chris Kreider, Adam Fox, Panarin, Panarin again, and Jacob Truba. Like I said, that made the score 6-1. Rangers go on to win 6-2. Just a thorough domination of a division rival at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Jesper Foss, we mentioned him. He had a goal and two assists. Adam Fox had one goal, one assist. And Alex Georgiev with a really solid night between the pipes for the Rangers, stopping 32 of 34 shots. It's funny because we basically had to wait what felt like forever to get the first Ranger-Islander matchup of this season. I mean, this happened on January 13th, and this is the first time that these two teams had met each other. And to basically just watch the Rangers pound the Islanders into submission the way that they did on this night, it was well worth the wait. And obviously, uh, a fun thing to watch. A uh, great win for the Rangers here against a division rival. Basically, just outworking them and beating them in all aspects of hockey. You can't dominate a team any more so than the Rangers dominated the Islanders on this night. Number eight, we're going to go all the way back to November 12th of last season. Capo Caco scores twice in this game, and the Rangers beat the Penguins 3-2 in overtime at Madison Square Garden, and this actually ended up being the only Ranger-Penguin matchup that we got all season. The Rangers were going to play the Penguins three times down the stretch, but it never happened due to obvious reasons. The season was paused, and ultimately, the rest of the regular season was canceled, and we just jumped right into the playoffs, so... Yes, we can say for a fact that the Rangers swept the Penguins this year. It is an undeniable fact. And around this time of the season, again, all the way back in November, the thing that I kept saying here on this podcast was that watching the Rangers to that point in the season was kind of like Playing roulette because night to night, you really just had no idea what you were going to get from this team. Uh, The Rangers were beating teams you didn't think they would necessarily beat, and then losing to teams you never thought that they would lose to. And in the month of November alone, just to kind of illustrate my point here, the Rangers got wins over the Predators, the Hurricanes, the Penguins, the Capitals, and the Canes again. In that very same month of November, they lost to the Panthers twice, they lost to the Senators twice, and they lost to the Lightning. Now, that last one doesn't sound so bad. The Lightning, of course, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, as well as really just the entire NHL. So you might be wondering, oh, well, what's so bad about losing to them? Well, you got to remember that they lost that game by a final score of 9 to 3. So, yeah, definitely a topsy turvy month of November for the Rangers. But in the middle of all that, like we said, on November 13th here, the Rangers get a thrilling 3 2 overtime victory against the Penguins. And like I said, it was a great night for Capo Caco. He scored twice. His first goal opened the scoring. He got a breakaway in the first period, gives the Rangers they a one-to-nothing lead. Uh, Brendan Lemieux made a great pass through the neutral zone, hits Kako in stride. Kako makes a couple nifty moves on the doorstep, pulls the puck to his backhand, tucks it into the net to beat Matt Murray. And then with less than 10 seconds left in the first period, Artemi Panarin makes a really nice cross ice pass to Adam Fox and Fox lets it fly from the right circle, goes top shelf to make it 2-0. Now the Penguins do tie the game with two goals in the second period. We end up in overtime and Evgeny Malkin with a strong drive to the net, he gets past Adam Fox. He looks to be going in alone, but Fox made a great play here. He reaches out and pokes the puck away from Malkin at the last possible second. Malkin gets the puck behind the Ranger net, tries to pass in front, but Kako intercepts and taps it to Fox. Fox goes up the left wing. He veers to the center of the ice and then passes back to his left to Kako, who just kind of snuck in there. Kako taps at home. Rangers win. The Garden goes wild. A fantastic overtime victory for the Rangers early in the season. Alex Georgiev gets the win for the Rangers after stopping 30 of 32 shots. So we get rookie to rookie for the game winner in overtime. And, you know, we talked a lot early in this podcast about how Kako seemed to kind of be stuck in like a pass-first mentality for the early parts of the season. He just didn't really want to shoot. I think he was kind of selfless to a fault trying to set up his teammates for some goals, but that wasn't an issue here. He couldn't help but shoot because he had to extend his stick and basically just redirect the pass into the twine. He didn't have any choice but to basically just knock the puck toward the net. So he gets the game winner here. A nice two-goal performance for Capo Kako and a great win for the Rangers. Moving on to number seven, we're going to go to January 7th, and we've got Igor Shisterkin making his NHL debut, and the Rangers posting a 5-3 win over the Colorado Avalanche at Madison Square Garden. And this is kind of similar to the opening night, which was number 10 here on our countdown, in that it felt like it was kind of the start of a new era for the Rangers, because everyone knew about Shisterkin, or most people knew about Shisterkin. Uh, People kind of had an idea that he was on his way, everyone knew that the Rangers kind of saw him as the goalie of the future. I'm not so sure that anyone knew that he would dominate the AHL in the manner that he did, but he just kind of forced the Rangers' hand, uh, got the call maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. This was obviously his NHL debut. We get chance of Igor in Madison Square Garden. He gets off to a little bit of a rough start in this game. Uh, JT Comfer scored to open the scoring very early in the first period. Igor would probably want that one back, and then uh, Nathan McKinnon scores on a breakaway to make it 2-0. Again, still relatively early in the first period. I mean, it's Nathan McKinnon is one of the best players in hockey, so we'll give Igor a little bit of a break there. But you are kind of nervous at this point as a Ranger fan because you certainly don't want to see this turn into a disastrous NHL debut for Igor Shosturkin. You don't want to see him get yanked out of the game or anything like that. But he really settled down after the McKinnon goal, stopped 29 of 32 shots on the night. 13 of those saves came in the third period. And I think the best moment of his night was with about 15 minutes remaining in the game, uh, Shosturkin comes up with an outstanding pair of right pad stops to preserve the Rangers 4-3 lead at that time. But You know, beyond Shesterkin's debut and all the excitement that comes along with it, uh, this was just a great game by the Rangers because it's a very nice come-from-behind win against one of the absolute best teams in the NHL. The Rangers were down 2-0, less than seven minutes into the game, and they didn't let it bother them. They worked their way back into the game. Kreider and Zabanajad each score in the first period to tie the game at 2 going into the first intermission, and then Brady Shea gives the Rangers a 3-2 lead in the second period. Comfort ties the game for the Avalanche at 3, and then Ryan Strom lights the lamp to put the Rangers on top for good in the second period. It's 4-3 heading into the third period, and it stays that way until Panarin seals the win with an empty net goal with 28 seconds remaining, but a big night for the Rangers' second line are Temi Panarin with a goal and two assists because, of course, uh, Ryan Strom with a goal and an assist, and Jesper Foss with a career-high three assists. So eight total points from that second line of the Rangers there. And Shesterkin, you know, he always comes off as pretty cool, calm, collected. But this is what he had to say after this game, making his NHL debut. He said this through a translator. On my way to the arena, my hands were shaking, couldn't even drink water. But as I stepped on the ice, I felt everyone's support and energy, and it really helped me. So Shesterkin definitely had some nerves there, and it kind of showed early in this game. But like we said, you know, he settled down. He just got back to playing hockey, doing the things that he's capable of doing, and posting a really solid win over a great team, a team that can really score a lot of goals. So a very memorable night for Ranger fans with Shesterkin getting the win in his NHL debut, but also just a great team win for the Rangers here in early January. We are up to number six, so we will end with this one for today. We're going back to February fourteenth. The Rangers beat the Minnesota Wild in Minnesota in a shootout four to three after trailing three to one with less than nine minutes remaining in the game. And this is one of those wins for the Rangers that I think flies a little bit under the radar. Uh, I don't think it gets talked about nearly as much as it should, especially when you consider when it happened in the season, because this is when the Rangers were really starting to surge, really starting to show that never say die attitude. They're not, perfect on most nights. I mean, they do at this point in the season, they're still kind of making some mistakes. They have some lapses every once in a while, but one thing you know about this team by this point, and something that was further emphasized in this game, is the fact that they're just not going to give up. They're going to keep coming. They're going to keep fighting. They're going to do everything they can to walk out of that building with two points, and that's what happened here. I mean, the Rangers are up against... The Minnesota Wild, a team that definitely emphasizes defense. Uh, their strategy is basically just to bore you to death. And it definitely wasn't looking good. I mean, you never give up, but there was nothing to suggest here that the Rangers were going to come back and win this game. They're down 3-1 to one, again with less than nine minutes remaining. I don't really remember in this game the Rangers creating a bunch of excellent scoring chances or getting robbed by the goalie or anything like that. I mean, Alex Stalock played a a pretty good game for the Minnesota Wild, but I I don't remember him necessarily standing on his head in this one. And I think mostly it was just a case of the Rangers just not creating enough scoring chances. But somehow they reached down. They caught fire near the end of this game. They scored two goals late. There was some luck involved. Pavel Buchnevich scored with about eight minutes to go. He received a pass in front of the net, and he kind of had his back turned to the net. So, Buchnevich turns to his right and attempts to pass to his right, and his pass basically just takes a couple of strange bounces and deflects off of a player on the wild, goes into the net to make it 3-2. to two. The game continues. Uh, we get down to a little bit more than a minute remaining. The Rangers pull Alex Georgiev. Fox has the puck along the blue line. He moves to his left. He dishes to Panarin and Panarin passes toward the high slot to Mika Zibanejad. Zibanejad just deflects the puck off the inside of the far post and into the net. Ties the game at three with just north of a minute remaining. So we're going to the overtime. The overtime was pretty crazy. You know, both teams had their chances to score. Uh, Georgiev with a great point-blank save against Fiala, who made a really strong drive to the net. Uh, less than a minute left in overtime. Some nifty passing by the Rangers. Hito to Zbenijad, and then Zibanejad springs Truba, who got in alone behind the defense. And Staylock makes a great glove save. He extended upward to just rob Truba, And then Fiala gets two more chances for the Wild in the waning seconds of overtime. And Georgiev with a couple of great saves. The last one was a little bit unconventional. He was kind of off balance a little bit. But he found a way to make a pad stop, knock the puck away. And time runs out. And we're going to go to the shootout. And I can't say enough about the job that Alex Georgiev did here in this game. He made 23 saves on 26 shots shots, but it was definitely a case of quality over quantity, especially in the overtime period. But anyway, we go to the shootout. Zibanejad scores for the Rangers. He shoots first. Uh, Donato misses the net for the Wild. And then Panarin, I mean, this is what I remember the most out of anything that happened in this game, because he just made a couple of ridiculous moves on his shootout attempt. Uh, Just go back and YouTube it. I can't possibly do it justice by any words that I'm going to say here, but I will try. So basically, he goes in up the left wing. He kind of slows down in front of the net. He makes about 15 moves in the span of about three seconds here. And basically, he's moving sideways. There was some argument on the part of Minnesota saying that, oh, he was moving backwards. Because there is a rule in the shootout. The puck has to keep moving toward the net. But... Panarin was kind of going sideways at a point here, and then staylock is on the ground, you know, kind of stretching and anticipating a shot, and Panarin just shoots over him and into the net. Again, I can't possibly do this justice. You just have to go back and watch it for yourself. Just a ridiculous goal from one of the most skilled players in hockey. But anyway, one more chance for the Wild, and Perize hits the crossbar on his shootout attempt. The puck stays out. Game over. I have no idea why the Minnesota Wild did not choose to use Matt Zuccarello in the shootout. He has made 49.1% of his shootout attempts in his career. But then again, Bruce Boudreaux was the coach at the time, so what do you expect? But just a great come from behind win for the Rangers. Again, it's one of those wins I don't think it gets talked about enough as far as being among the best Ranger victories of this past season. But that will do it for today, guys. We will get into wins number five through one so if you thought these five were great wins and they were uh it's only going to get better from here I'm sure you guys can definitely guess a couple of them that are going to be on the list uh some of them I mean I'm not going to spoil it here but you don't have to think too long and too hard to know about some of the wins that are going to be on this list five through one in the next episode. But yes, that will do it for today. Thanks again so much for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.